You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Two days after September 11 attacks, a worker discovered two steel beams that were in the shape of a cross. Uh, It was at the World Trade Center in lower Manhattan, New York City. The Ground Zero cross quickly became a symbol of faith and hope for the first responders and all the people of the community at large. And we built an exact replica cross just like that. Stands over there at Elevate Coffee here today and will stand on our future campus. And we built that cross for two reasons. Number one, we built that to honor our first responders, our law enforcement, our EMTs, our firefighters, our police that have served as with sacrifice, with courage and bravery. In a time of where our country faces all sorts of political tension and racial tensions, it is important for the church to remind the community about the unity that we can find around the cross. This cross will uh, serve as a symbol of hope to our community. Uh, our servicemen and our first responders have exemplified their uh, courage and these virtues that they exemplified at 9-11 in New York City are virtues that are exemplified in the lives of all first responders on a daily basis. We just don't see them. There's no cameras where they're at oftentimes. There's no stage. There's no lights. And they are the unsung heroes of our community. We did it for another reason. We did it to serve as a symbol of hope, a monument of hope for the North Valley. God's given us an area to influence, and it's called the North Valley. And this church is placed here by God's sovereign plan, and we're to be a beacon of hope and light for this community. We are in pioneer territory where we get the opportunity to shape the next three, four decades And together what we will do is we will establish this monument of hope for the 91,000 people that drive by every single day and when they hit a ground zero in life, that they can look to the cross and realize that there still stands hope. Today I want to just thank those that have been a part of this process Metal Weld, Marco Crane, Elevate Coffee, the shops at Norterra, the Harkins family, Harkins Theater and their staff, Uh, and the many others that have contributed to help make this a reality. And we thank ultimately the Lord himself. Amen. Can we celebrate that? This morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans. I don't think there's a greater uh, passage that I could share with you as it relates to uh, how to move forward when the world stops turning. Many times in life, we face ground zero moments. We get a phone call. We hear the doctor give the prognosis. We stand there and we find out and we look at our bank account and we don't have enough. And we hit these crisis moments. And God's word stands true. It's timeless. This morning, we're going to learn from a gentleman by the name of the Apostle Paul who hit a ground zero himself And his self-centeredness, his elitism, and his intellectualism, it failed him. He needed a strength that he did not possess. And on the road to Damascus, he meets the risen Lord. 
And it's through this supernatural experience and his spiritual ground zero that he could rise up out of the ashes of despair with hope. It is AD 57. Nero is the reigning emperor in the Roman Empire. The recipient of the letter I'm going to teach from this morning is the Roman Christians. They were going through their own ground zeros. They had social rejection, ground zero. They would no longer attend the gladiator games, the parties, the theaters, the pagan temples. They were alone. They didn't participate with a lot of the jeering and the racial discrimination that Rome had done at this time by expelling Jews from the Roman uh, city. They welcomed Jews and Gentiles alike into the church and they found unity around the cross of Christ. There was racial tensions. There was financial loss. There was financial ground zeros. Many Christians couldn't maintain their jobs because they were being persecuted and greater jobs were given to people that didn't associate with the name of Jesus. These ladies and gentlemen were people just like you and me that 2,000 years ago faced a ground zero. They felt the weight of the world feeling like it stopped turning. Things just didn't go right. And the apostle Paul had experienced the grace of God through the cross and says that there's hope in the midst of hard times. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter five, verses one through five is where we're gonna be this morning. Paul writes this. He spends the next three verses or three chapters, chapter five, six, seven, and eight. He, he goes all the way up to eight and talks about the theme of hope and how important is it for us to hold on to hope. It is so important for us to move through life with the right kind of hope. Here's what it says, Romans chapter five, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord, amen? You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to help us apply this to our personal lives and give us great wisdom and understanding on how to move forward. Thank you for the trinity of virtues exemplified in the cross, faith, hope, and love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I have a declaration to you. Anytime you hit a ground zero, anytime you, the world feels like it stops turning and some of you are there today, you need to let us, let's look to the cross. Three reasons why I think you can do that, we'll learn from Romans. Number one, the cross is central to our faith. The cross is central to our faith. Now, the cross wasn't popular up until the time where Constantine in the Roman Empire was, had a supernatural experience, extraordinary, controversial to say the least by historians and scholars alike. 
but he had an experience and a conversion and he abolished the crucifixion, the death penalty on the cross, and then he made it the unifying symbol of Christianity throughout the entire Roman Empire. It was at that point in time where the cross became a central figure for Christianity as a symbol of hope, of Christ's victory over sin and death. In the Bible, the cross becomes central in theology where it is uh, the fulfillment of dozens of prophecies that had been made about Jesus Christ as the Messiah said to have been born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, would proclaim himself to be God and die on a cross for the sins of the world. The cross is central and it is the fulfillment of dozens of prophecies. The cross is where the great exchange takes place. God says, give me your sin and I'll give you righteousness. The cross is where Jesus paid it all. The cross is the bridge between man and God. The cross is where I think we will learn, as Paul will teach us in God's word, where all faith, all hope, and all love derive from. The cross is central to our faith. Look what he says. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, let's all say justified together, We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This justification, it means literally declared righteous. That God sees you when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that you are declared righteous. You're made right with God. Some of you don't feel right with God. You feel like, man, you're lucky you got here and a lightning bolt hadn't struck you dead when you stepped in the foot of the church. But you need to know God's not like that. The Bible talks about when we believe Jesus Christ, that we're justified by faith. Literally, it means two things. Number one, it means that all sins are forgiven, that the debts are canceled, that, the, that, you, that you are free. You don't have to carry that spiritual, emotional, physical debt anymore. And you know, many of us uh, overspend and we find ourselves with too many high credit card bills and we feel the stress of that. Well, spiritually speaking, apart from Christ, we're in debt. And what the Bible teaches, justified by uh, right by faith, means that it's not something that we can't pay for that. Christ has got to pay for that. All sins are forgiven when we believe in Jesus Christ. Not only that, but Christ is the righteousness he gives to us. So he doesn't just pay off your debts, spiritually speaking, he credits them. And financially speaking, when you go into debt, it's an important thing to pay off debt. But you need more than just a cancellation or a payment of that debt. You need additional uh, resources to keep living. And the Christian life, the cross is central to our faith. It's totally different from all other sorts of religions. A lot of religions say, therefore we've been justified by not faith, but by works. When I was in college at the University of Arkansas, I had a professor, a devout, wonderful, kind Jewish uh, man who did not believe in Jesus, but he was faithful to teach the teachings of Jesus along with Buddha, Gandhi, and everybody else. And I learned a lot in that class. 
I want to share with you my observations of world religions. This is what it sounds like. And Christianity stands totally different. In America, we say this kind of thing. All roads lead to one. Just do good and be a nice person. And if you do enough good deeds and they outweigh your bad deeds, then you should get to heaven. That's called pluralism. Number two, there's religion says follow the eightfold path and you'll achieve nirvana or your salvation. You can go to Sedona. A lot of people talk like that in Sedona. Religion says do good, believe in Jesus, and let's add some extra teachings that have been revealed throughout time, and then you should find your salvation if you work hard enough. Religion says obey all the rules, partake in the sacraments, go to confession, say your prayers. You do good and you should find salvation. Religion says obey the teachings of God's words and keep all the commandments, all of them, and don't fail and hopefully you will get to heaven. Christianity teaches something totally different. Historical Christianity teaches that salvation is by faith alone. Sola fida. It is the cry of the Reformation, the solas. It is what Paul says. Look what the text says. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith. Faith is central It is the outcome of a great cross, a great Lord that died on the cross. It's where we can find our faith. Faith here means, it literally means that the state of believing or of the reliability of the one trusted. In other words, it is the placement of what we believe in. It's the confidence. It's an active sense that we do when we go to the cross as the strengthening means of our faith. To be justified by faith means that you're justified by the one you have faith in. To be justified by faith means it's the source of your faith in Christ that justifies you. This word faith occurs 40 times in Romans, 17% of its total usage in the New Testament. It's a big deal to Christianity. The term is essential for grasping a salvation by faith, not by works. It's what separates Christianity from other world religion. Paul wants us to see that salvation, it's the opposite of works. Don't wear yourself out trying to get right with God through good works, obeying some teaching. Get right with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. He lived the life you could never live. He fulfilled all the law. He fulfilled all the commandments. And here's what he says, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you of your sin. And not only that, I will credit you because I lived the perfect life that no one else could live. And so he has a surplus, a treasury of righteousness that he dispenses on all believers who look to the cross. Faith means that man can't earn his way. Jesus earned his way and he paid for it all on the cross. Christ is enough. He's enough. The cross is central to our faith. It gives us peace. Look what it says. Romans says, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have grace up to our waist. We are deep in grace all the time. Every time you blow it, you need to know. The Bible says that because of what Christ has done, he's forgiven you your sins and he's given you righteousness and grace and mercy. And you can't get away from it. You have this peace with God and his 
positional. It's, it's positional. It's on your life everywhere you go, meaning that you're safe. You're not going to lose your salvation. It's been paid for. Your eternity is set. And then you say to me, I don't have that peace all the time, Ryan. Well, that's a practical peace. It's what you get when you read God's word and you pray and you walk with him and you invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you. That's that peace of God that begins to kind of rest upon your life. The cross gives us access to God continually and personally. You can go to him anytime. The cross gives us the grace of God. It's unmerited. You didn't do anything to get this. It's unlimited. You have unlimited access in this. Secondly, we see that the cross gives us hope when we hit our ground zero. The cross gives us hope, just like it did for the people in New York City. You didn't have to be a Christian to say that that cross stood as a symbol of hope. I think God in his sovereign plan wanted our country to remember that he's there in the midst of hard times. That when what took 11 years to build, the Twin Towers, it fell once the plane hit, a matter of seconds, came crashing to the ground. How many times in life when you hit a ground zero, feels like your whole world just stops turning and everything comes crashing to the ground. I'm here to remind you of hope. I'm here to remind you of eternal truths that do something sweet in your soul. I'm here to remind you that we can rejoice and we can have hope in the glory of God. Why don't you feel hope a lot of times? Because you've misplaced it. You misplaced it. You didn't put it where it needed to belong. You put your hope in your glory, not God's. Here's what I encourage you to do. Choose to live for God's glory, not man's. Bible teaches us that we need to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And you say to me, how do I rejoice in the glory of God? How do I have hope in the glory of God? Say things like this to him. God, your ways are greater than my ways. I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to hold on. Because I believe that the big things in life are settled. My soul is set. I have eternity with you in heaven. And anything this world brings upon me, I will overcome by the grace and the power of God. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. How do you rejoice in suffering? That just doesn't make sense to me. Why do you rejoice when there's pain, when there's affliction? How do you do that? I'll remind you, if you choose to live for God's glory and not your own, you can find a peace in that. You can find hope in that because he's doing something bigger than what you understand. Look what it says. It says, knowing that the suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Endurance is something that's so important that God does. He's, he never promises you're gonna escape pain and suffering. He says, I wanna give you the help to endure. And here's what I'm gonna do while you're enduring. I'm gonna shape your character. Character doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a process of years of being in the fire and the storms and coming out strong because God's been your only source of strength and hope. Character produces hope, not in hope in you and in your glory and your victory, but in the hope and the glory of God that you say, man, the only way I got through what I went through was God's extraordinary help upon my life. God sent the right person at the right time. God made an extra provision and I trusted him in the midst of some difficulty. God resurrected my marriage. 
and I turned it over to him, he resurrected my heart. When we have a hope in Christ and not in our circumstances, he can do great things. But what do we do so too often? We bail out before the breakthrough. We just quit. God, I don't want to do it. God, I tried. I went to your word. And man, I was in a hard time and you did what I've done before. I did this in college. I was going through a hard time and I was like, God, I can't get the grades I need. I don't have the money I need. I married a woman whom I love, but I feel like a disappointment in life because I can't even pay the bills. So I went to the top of the library, sat in a room all by, a room all by myself and I did what you should not do. I did the flop method. If you really love me, then show me what I need to do, God. So I close my eyes, it's midnight. And I flip it open, I'm like, oh, he's gonna give me something good. And I see it and it says, and Judas hung himself. (laughs) I'm sitting there going, God, I hope a rope doesn't appear. (laughs) Then I did it again and I landed on this verse and it talked about finding peace and hope in Christ. And I wouldn't recommend you doing that flop method. God doesn't want you to do that. He gave you a mind, use your mind. He gave you his word, use use his word. But don't bail out. Don't bail out. God wants you in a place of dependence. He wants you to have faith only in him and not yourself because if you do that, then he says, it's about my glory, isn't it? Wasn't, aren't I the CEO, God's saying, of the whole world? Aren't I the whole king of glory? You're not the king. Submit under the sovereign plan and authority of a good, godly, righteous king over all of heaven and earth. And so what do you do? You can so easily bail out before God wants to bring you through a breakthrough. That's why we don't find hope in the hard times. Why else? Because we think, we forget that God promises to help us endure, not escape. He promises, hey, you're gonna go through hard times in life. They hated, Jesus said, they hated me, they're gonna hate you. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. James says, hey, when you face trials, meaning you're going to go through hard times. But see, we think all the time, God, you weren't there for me. I was going through a hard time. No, he was there. When the World Trade Center came crashing to the ground, what took 11 years to build, fell down in about 10 seconds. The cross was there. In the middle of tragedy, there was triumph. Christ is there. He is enough. Paul wants us to get this. The gospel message wants you to get this. I want you to get this. That you have faith and you have hope through Christ to endure, to walk through anything. He is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecies. He is the long-awaited Messiah. He is Jesus. He is the King of glory. The cross is not only a symbol of faith and hope, but it's a symbol of love. The cross is a symbol of God's love that you must never forget 
John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. See, God's a giver. Christ came down from heaven to earth to make a bridge between mankind who's left on one side, alienated, scoffing, hurting, in rebellion against God in all his ways. And God says, I'll bridge the gap between sinful, lost humanity to a righteous, almighty, holy God. And imperfect people would find a way to meet the perfection of righteousness in God himself through Jesus Christ. He's the bridge. He's that symbol of love. That cross is a symbol of God's radical love. That word love literally means two things, and I just love, I just love, I love love. The Greek term is agape, and it means God's love towards humanity. It means that he has this quality of warmth, a regard and interest in you. That he's got no other that who has the attention of his heart than you. This word love, uh, Paul uses it in Romans 5, 5. Look at it. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, makes it a point to make sure you feel God's love. It's been poured out. That word is, is described as it's God's way that he takes interest in you, that he has an esteem for you, an affection for you, that he has regard for you, that he has a, a disposition towards you that you're on his mind. And so in the cross, what you see in this symbol, and I think it's God's way to help us get it, it's this vertical love, God's love coming down for all who believe. It's God's love coming down. It's that disposition where God says, finally, you're home. Finally, you're gonna live in line with my design. I'm the sovereign king. You just be my servant. I'm the father, you be my kid. That's how I made things. It's a vertical love coming down. And then the cross also is, this term for agape is used to describe a horizontal love. That the cross beams, when they raise out, it's a, it's a sign, it's a symbol for us to get it. That it's this love being poured out from God, from heaven to earth to us, and as we experience that, that love pushes outward. That agape love is a horizontal love. It's used to describe these fellowship meals where early believers would gather together in Rome and all around the Roman Empire as the church was exploding with radical growth. They would slow down and they would remember the cross and they would take the Lord's Supper. And that agape love was experienced poured out into their hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. I want to share with you a story of a gentleman who experienced a ground zero in life and how he lived to tell the tale about how God showed up in extraordinary circumstances. Check out our good friend Will here at the church. I hit my first ground zero in college. I had moved 2,000 miles away from my family in Alaska to Arizona, and I remember feeling intense feelings of loneliness 
and anger. And so I turned to drugs and alcohol. And my priorities had become so misaligned. I remember at one point, my friend was seizing on the floor with a cocaine overdose. And as I was calling 911, I was working to, to hide the drug paraphernalia instead of focusing on helping him. Uh, I felt lost. As part of God's plan, I, when I was very young, I had the good fortune of meeting my wife. And we had two beautiful girls and ended up having a career in finance. And I felt good about my life turning around and I felt successful. And I think from a societal standpoint, um, you know, I was doing all the right things. Um, you know, I was doing all the right things, uh, but I still felt like something was missing. And I was drinking a lot. And I remember just thinking, you know, that's who I was. And I'll never forget my wife at one point saying, hey, you need to get help. And so I, I, I did. I asked for help and got medical treatment, found out I had bipolar disorder. And so I had to take, start taking medication and stop drinking, and that really didn't go well. Um, I ended up hitting a second ground zero in a major way when my wife's brother and my best friend went out one night, left his family, two little boys, three and two, and his wife and drove his van into a car wash in the middle of the night and took his life. I'll, I'll never forget that, that phone call that I received. And I had to stand up and rely on my own strength to pull myself together and make funeral arrangements. Um, and at one point, I, I knew I just didn't have what it takes. I, I didn't have the strength, and it, was, it took a lot for me to admit that. Um, but thankfully, I, I, I was able to go to North Valley. I sat in the, uh, the back row in the movie theater, and I remember getting connected uh, not long after that with the neighborhood group after someone had heard my story. And uh, the first night after I walked out of neighborhood group, uh, I had this feeling just crawl over me and this feeling of warmth and I, I, I can't even find the words to describe it but I knew I was in the right place and I was living out part of God's plan and so as a result of that uh, I've been able to connect with Jesus Christ and his church in a way that has changed my life um, and so now I sit before you you know a year removed uh, from drug and alcohol abuse uh, you're removed from being diagnosed with bipolar disorder in six months after my brother-in-law died. And I stand before you a proud Christian man uh, with a strong faith. And I'm reborn. We want to see a lot more of that happen in the years ahead. You know, here's the takeaway from today. You know, God wants to meet you in your ground zero. And the reality is, is that he is there. The Bible says he's omnipresent. It means he's everywhere all at once. And you say, how does he do that? He's God. His ways are higher than your ways. He's the CEO of the universe. And we will never be in line in harmony with who we are until we get in line with God's design. And I want to encourage you today, when you hit a ground zero, when the world stops turning, and maybe you're there right now. Spiritually, you're at a ground zero. You've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And I, you heard me talk about this incredible faith and hope and love that we can find in the cross. Then maybe today is that day right now where before you leave here today, we, do, we, do, we share and we talk about God starting a relationship with you. I'm gonna pray and offer an opportunity for those of you that have never received Christ and start a brand new relationship and find the faith and the hope and the love that you've been looking for. And then for all of us, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I ask you to bow your heads and we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would he fill our hearts with great love, with great faith, with great hope. Like Will shared, when I walked outside a neighborhood group, I felt the warmth of God's love upon my life. And I knew I had to surrender control. I had to let go and let God begin to work into my life. For you, that's happening. Many of you, it's happening right now. And I want to just say, slow down. When the world seems to stop turning and you hit a ground zero, let me tell you something. You can't get through what you're going through without him. Not the right way. You can't get through where God wants to take you without him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to depend on him. So pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, we look to you. We look to the cross of Christ, your sign and your symbol for your, your love for all of humanity. You are the bridge. You, that is your symbol and your sign for us, Lord, never to lose hope, Lord. And I know there's brothers and sisters here, friends and family, Lord, even kids. They, they're, they're saying, Lord, I, I want to start a relationship with you, but I've never done that. You need to take a step of faith today. Would you pray with me silently? Heavenly Father, I come before you right now and I need help. I don't want to do life anymore on my own. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of carrying the weight, the burden that you call sin. And I'm ready to hand that over to you. I give you all my sin. I acknowledge that I've got a debt I just can't pay. I receive the forgiveness in Christ by faith. And I receive even more what Pastor Ryan talked about. I receive that grace and that righteousness and that mercy. I receive that in faith in Jesus' name. And Lord, I've, I pray, God, that you would help me to let go of despair, let go of discouragement. And Lord, I receive hope. I receive hope through the Holy Spirit work in my life. Help me to get through what I'm going through. Help me to get to where you want me to go. I don't want to bail out anymore, God. I'm waiting for your breakthrough. And Lord, I need your love. I need your love. I need your love, God. Strengthen me. I look to the cross for my great love. Thank you that your disposition towards me now through Christ is love. Thank you that you are the greatest father I never had. You are the king of glory. You rule, you reign. I submit to that. I receive the love of Christ and the power in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.